Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing this week's guest, Chris. Chris and I met through social media. He is the CEO of two companies. He leads with his heart. I am so excited to talk to him today. I wanted to start with a quote from George Orwell. There's always aspects no one wishes to discuss. I feel like in today's times, how do we have those difficult conversations? I don't really have a dark corner. Uh, I think that's why my content hits. There's no off topic. When I committed to doing social media, given what I went through in life, the truth is like, you gotta be authentic. You gotta be your truthful self. It doesn't apply to me, Rena. It doesn't apply to me. I grew up disadvantaged and I've now come out the other side of that. When I reflect now in my mid to late thirties, I look back and it's like, wait a minute, all those rocky waters were preparing me for all of this. I grew up with a terrible father. You guys have heard that. He was drunk. He was abusive. He would hospitalize me, everything else. That's not my North Star when I deal with my kids. Like that is the constant reminder. Like that's the way I go all in on them because I never want to be him. Lost both my parents when I was young and had no surviving family. I have an unrelenting motivation because at a young age, it was all on me. There was no excuses. There was no one to bail me out. Those rough waters, without them, I would not be anywhere. I wouldn't be the father I was. I wouldn't be the human I would be. I wouldn't be the business leader that I am. How do you not make the same mistakes though? Because some people let that paralyze them and, and they use that as an excuse their entire life. hundred percent. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I've told my story before. And the big turning point for me is I think with my personality, I've always been a very black and white person. I don't spend any time in the gray. If I care about you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. there's a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of unspoken rules on social media, especially look, I've only been on Instagram a year. I've taught myself about hashtags. I've tried to follow some of the people that know it better than me. It's easy to make mistakes and it's easy to not give people the benefit of the doubt. And I even think that's part of like what's going on in the world today. When there's a friendship and an understanding and as you get to know someone, people are so quick to get bent out of shape. It's just interesting that people just have trigger points. We all feel like we're entitled to our space. And, and I think because social media allows us to go anywhere we want on the web and interact with people, we an entitlement of like, hey, only communicate me in the exact way I want. Tell me your flaws. <laughs> Two things. One, I come across abrasive at times if you don't know me. My closest friends say it best. If they're talking to somebody else, there's lots of them that'll stop and be like, well, you know what? If you want the truth, talk to Chris. Like in my heart, I believe the reason I'm abrasive like that is a true friend should tell you the truth. Number two, I just have this unrelenting, sometimes unhealthy work ethic where I truly don't slow down. I just have one speed because of what happened to me. I just refuse to let myself down because it's all on me. I can be hard to work with or work for sometimes until you truly understand that I have zero expectation for you to work the hours I do. Through this whole COVID thing, and I think we can all relate to this, when COVID first hit, companies were so worried. Oh crap, employees are gonna be at home. They're gonna watch Netflix. They're gonna goof around. We're never gonna get a good work out of them. Well, what's happened? Now we're three months in and people are burning out because they're working more. I want to touch on the first one. Do you encourage your team to give you real feedback? If you couldn't work 
all of those hours and were forced to only do 20 hours a week, what would that look like? And some of the feedback was, you know, oh, you do this, you do that. You're this kind of a leader. You know, you're hard on the people. You're, you're not compassionate and everything else. So we actually had a round table. I threw it out there. I said, listen, don't forget, you all talk. If you guys don't think that it's not happening to each and every one of you, you're wrong. Don't forget that like, I'm here to take it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I serve the people that are in our brand. I wake up every day in service of them. They service the end consumer. I want as many people at my funeral as possible. I grew up alone. I grew up with nobody. So I think there's a mechanism internally with me that I've never gone to that's like, I want to be loved. Maybe that's a mechanism that I've then entwined into my leadership and it served me very well. If I could only work 20 hours a week, I don't think it would impact my team a whole lot because I truly stay out of their way. I think that you should hire people that can run their department. I have very much been a student of Gary Vee for like 10 years when nobody was even following him. And an early teaching of his is like, go all in on your strengths and forget about your weaknesses. I try to hire people that are better at those departments than I am so that I can get the hell out of their way. What I would do with my time, that's an interesting question. I think the fun fact is like, I'd love anything to like sit in front of an original Nintendo all day long and do nothing. (laughs) I literally long to read. What's your favorite Nintendo game? It's a toss up. So probably a game that nobody's ever heard of. So there's RC Pro app. So it's a little tiny like car racing game. That and the Ninja Gate. It's just this Ninja game that I'm absolutely obsessed with. Tell me a couple of your favorite books. Very first one that comes to my head is The E-Myth Revisited. It is my favorite book of all time. I think the book resonated with me because very early on, I got sent to Hamburger University, which is a real thing. And it's honestly, I have a commerce degree. Hamburger University is the single most powerful business tool I still use to this day. Uh, So Dragonlance, medieval time fantasy series. I was utterly obsessed with it. it. It is easily the series of books I have read the most times of anything. Those are my business side, E-Myth. Other side would be, yeah, Dragonlance. I have a brother-in-law who both of his parents were very absent and left him in his life. I do think that he has struggled to rise above that. I became incredibly self-destructive. So I lost my dad on my 16th birthday, like literally birthday cake on the hospital bed kind of thing. Lost my mom at 23. But I was reminded at like four years old, I was an accident. I remember fights of being like this little thing ruined our lives. And my dad married a 13-year younger trophy wife because he had already done the kids, he had sold his business, and he just wanted to travel the world. When they met, he's like, hey, you're younger than me. I just want to let you know there's no kids. And she's like, no, 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 that's great. I can't stand kids. And then as early as like four, I remember them saying like, well, you said we travel, you said we do this. And I remember them saying like, yeah, but that little thing down in the basement ruined everything. So here's exactly what happened to me. And I'll layer it into, I don't think advice because I don't think I'm the right person because of how I'm wired. It'll get to the point of, of where I think someone needs to be. After my mom died, I, I was completely alone, no surviving family. I would go out every night and I would party. I would max my credit card because I paid the tab for everyone every night because I just wanted to be the life of the party. I wanted to be Mr. Popular because then I didn't have to think. I didn't have to think about my life. I didn't have to think about the fact that I wasn't just going home to an empty house. I was going home to an empty life. Like I was in an incredibly destructive state of mind. And I remember I was washing my face one day, hung over from the night before. And I walked to the sink and everyone always asked me, what was the motivational quote? What was the motivational book? Who was the motivational speaker? Who snapped you out of your tailspin? No one. So I was washing my face and I remember thinking to myself, you're all alone. You're a drunk. You're not going to get to 40, 45 years old, 50 years old, and then your parents are going to pass away and you're going to get an inheritance and then that helps 
you know, lift you through the rest of your life. That's all gone. That ship has sailed. It's all on you. And statistically speaking, you're a drunk orphan who's blowing through all his money. You're going to be a statistic. You're going to be a drunk loser that's going to be a burden on somebody. And then you're probably going to kill yourself because you're just going to get to the ultimate end of your rope with depression. You're going to realize anyone you've got around you, you've ruined their life and you're going to kill yourself. Now here's where the black and white thing comes in. In that moment, I was like, why would I be a burden to somebody for 15 years? Why don't I just kill myself right now? So in that moment, I was like, cool, going to kill myself. And my brain said, nope, don't want to do that. And the way I'm wired is the moral that I would tell anyone. In that moment, I literally looked in the mirror and I was like, the bullshit has to end. There's no one to snap me out of it. No one is coming to save me. It's down to a choice. If you think you're going to kill yourself, shut up and kill yourself. If you're not going to kill yourself, then shut up, smarten up, and it's all on you. From that moment forward, it was just this weird epiphany in the mirror. I never looked back. I realized, I'm like, look, I am the only reason I will fail. So giddy up, let's go. So the moral of the story, I don't know how someone else gets there. I got there because I have always been black and white. I don't know if that was a trait of my father's or what it was. You ultimately have to decide. No one is going to drag you to the edge where you have to decide whether or not you're going to jump. You have to do it on your own. Thank you so much for being real. You got a knack for this. You pulled stuff out of me that people never have. So like, kudos to you. One, thank you for the opportunity because anytime I can go somewhere internally and make realizations about myself, that's a gift. Thank you so much. And let people know how they can find you. So it's just my name. Chris Turcott underscore is, is kind of my thing on social media. So C-H-R-I-S-T-U-R-C-O-T-T-E underscore is my handle on most platforms. Uh, if you're in North America, you can text me. So 323-310-4053. And yes, that is actually me. So daddy, what did you think? I think he did really well. He pointed out that the way he had to rise above his adversities is by staying very busy and relying on himself. Once he decided to face the reality of this, his situation, that the only way they felt that he could survive and really progress is by going out there, out working, out hustling, by also treating people right because uh, he felt that he wasn't treated right right from the beginning of his life and he would make a difference by taking on the responsibilities but by also showing that he wanted to be able to work with people and give them the same opportunity to really go for it and be the best that they can be as well no more bullshit and he thinks that if you do the right things for other people that they'll care and that the job will be fun and have a chance get to people's creativity the other thing that i liked about him is that he's a straight shooter he wants wants people to be genuine with him. And he's trying to do that in return, because if you just yes someone to death, not only do they not know how you feel, but they can get the wrong impression and they could think that they're doing well or wearing the right clothes when they're really wearing something that nobody really likes. So when you encourage people when they're not really doing right, then they don't know what right is from wrong. Don't you think I've had to tell bosses that they're wonderful when they're not because they can't handle the truth? They can't handle the truth. And the funny part is they can dish it out, but they can't handle handle any criticism themselves. You know what I like too? I threw that curveball at him and he handled it pretty well. He did pretty well. But the truth of the matter is, is that he's excelling because he's used his adverse growing up to try to say that, hey, I was dealt a tough hand. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm going to try very hard to show that I can excel. He's not holding a vengeance against people. Remember that saying that Jim Plunkett said when I said, oh, the team was doing so well and they got these injuries. And he says, there's no excuses in football. Manscaped. A well-groomed man is so attractive, don't you think? Buy any custom engineered grooming care from manscaped.com and receive your 20% off using the code BCD. Better call daddy. 
If you found that entertaining, don't forget to subscribe. Add Better Call Daddy podcast on IG. Need some advice from daddy? Let's connect at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thank you.